back here on LA Gridiron Weekly on a Saturday, beautiful Saturday here in Los Angeles, 877-710-3776, 877-710-3776. My next guest, uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. I love his opinions. Uh, just love to see every single day. I feel like I check my phone in the morning, I check my emails, and I check PFT, profootballtalk.com, and get my latest NFL news. That's how I stay up to date. And Mike giving us a couple minutes here, joining us here on LA Gridiron Weekly. First of all, before we start, man, Mike Florio, happy birthday, my man. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you know, as you get on the wrong side of 55, which I am now one year on to, I'm constantly reminding myself and others that it beats the hell out of the alternative. So we just keep going. So I appreciate that. No, no problem, man. Happy birthday. Uh, Mike, I do want to just go back with you just a little bit because I know you have a lawyer background and then all of a sudden you started PFT, Pro Football Talk. And I look at where PFT is now. Me as a former player, when you're in that former in that active player space, Mike, you don't really care about the news as much. You just worry about what's going on on a day to day inside your building. But as I've retired, been in broadcasting for a long time and then seen the growth of pro football talk. Could you have ever expected what you first started and where it's at right now currently? You know, Kirk, I had no idea what it was going to be. I had no idea how long it was going to last. I kind of fell into the business accidentally in June of 2000. One thing led to another, and I started PFT just as kind of a hobby, November 1, 2001. So the 20-year anniversary is coming up, and just never knew, never knew, never expected anything. I just did it because I like to do it. And I always thought that if I stuck with it and was consistent, and eventually a few years in, I realized, you know, if you just do it every day, every day, every day, it'll build and it'll build and it'll build and maybe someday make a little money off of it. And, you know, the pipe dream was get it to the point where I could – stop practicing law and do that full time. And that eventually arrived. And I, uh, I count my blessings every day because this is not a real job. As you know, <laughs> it's talking about something that you're interested in that you would be talking about and thinking about, even if you weren't getting paid to do it. So it's worked out incredibly well. And here we are 20 years later. He's Mike Florio pro football talk. Join us here on LA gridiron weekly, but just the premise of, just your site and what you've been able to do, the traffic that you put up. Has there been anybody who says, you know what, I read you every day or thank you for what you do? Because I know me personally, I thank you because I can go to sleep and wake up. And if I missed anything, I just go to PFT, roll down and catch all my stories. But for you, the kind of the reception that you get from people who follow you and then also try to uh, also say, well, Mike said this and Mike said, hey, he's just giving us the news, everybody. Relax. It's a mixed bag because there are people who appreciate what we do, but there are people who disagree with our opinions. There are people who think that if we have a harsh opinion about their team, we hate their team. Why do you hate this team? Why do you hate that team? Why do you hate this team? Chris Collinsworth has a great response to that because he gets the same thing all the time because obviously no announcer of any football game is truly objective and unbiased because the fans only hear the criticism and then think this guy hates my team. So Chris just started responding to those guys by saying, when they asked, why do you hate such and such team? I just do. Now, I don't <laughs> I don't use that line because I'll let him use that line. I just, I, I deal with it because I understand. And when we first started allowing comments on the website and my wife made the mistake of reading some of them, Uh-oh. <laughs> she said, why do you let this happen? I said, look, the same passion 
that causes those folks to say those things is the passion that gets them to come in the first place. So they want an outlet, they want a vent, and it's that love of the sport that gets them upset when someone isn't respecting their team. So I just deal with it that way. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be the pin cushion when someone's mad about the fact that their team isn't as good as they want it to be. <laughs> I'm glad that you bring that up as a segue to some NFL news because you get one fan base that's excited about some of the moves that they've made this week. And then you have another fan base who's kind of still trying to choose sides. And I'll start with the first uh, with, with the first one in terms of the Tennessee Titans. They were able to trade for Julio Jones this week. Now they add they already have A.J. Brown. We know about Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill. The people here in Los Angeles, Mike, will get to see these Tennessee Titans against the Rams on Sunday night football later this season. But what does this mean for Tennessee grabbing Julio Jones? Well, it gives the Titans, assuming that Jones is healthy, he's 32 years old, he missed nine games last year, he's had foot problems as well, last year it was a hamstring. But if he's healthy, it gives them something that we don't see very often, which is great quarterback, great running back, and not one great receiver, but two who can basically do the same thing. So you've got to figure out how you're going to allocate your resources defensively. Which guy are you going to key on? Which poison are you going to pick? And you know, whether it's the Rams of the late 90s with Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, whether it's the Colts yeah. when they had Edron James and Peyton Manning to go along with Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, this has the potential to be that. Now, it won't last as long. Ryan Tannehill's been around for a while. Derrick Henry may only have a few years left, maybe two or three, before he starts to, to see the wear and tear begin to diminish his high-end abilities. And, and Julio Jones, again, at 32, who knows how long he can do it for, but for a year or two, they, they can be special. It's it's a question of, number one, keeping them healthy, and number right. two, coming up with an offense that distributes that one football. There's only one, and that's always the challenge. you got to keep everybody happy, but they, they can be very dynamic offensively, and they've made some moves defensively, bringing in Bud Dupree. That's a calculated risk, but – I, I think that they go from being a team that is definitely a playoff contender to, in my mind, the favorites to win the AFC South and a team that could take down one of the, you know, one of the beasts of the AFC. Yeah. And those beasts, I got the Chiefs, I got Ravens and also the Buffalo Bills. So those are my beasts. And so, yes, Tennessee right there ranks right there in terms of uh, that top four or five in the AFC. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, join us here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. So we go from one team in the AFC excited about what they did in terms of uh, acquiring a player. And then you have the Green Bay Packers, Mike. And I, 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 for you, I don't think you're as torn as maybe the fans are because – I've always said there's always that one story that lingers every single year, whether it's the Dak Prescott contract, whether it was remember deflate gate, whether it was, you know, there's always that story that lingers into the summer and how was, how will it get rectified, right? How will this solution uh, be solved? And I look at Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers and I'm sitting here scratching my head saying, how does this thing finally end? And when does it end? I, I don't think we can still leave with the a block every single day until this thing ends, but how do we eventually see this thing ending? You know, it's funny, Kirk, people ask me from time to time, what do you root for? And I root for a great story. If you're in Absolutely. the you want a great story in this Aaron Rodgers thing, think about it. A reigning MVP mm. who doesn't want to play for the team that he has played for since 2005. Only two NFL MVPs have not played for the team they won the award with the next year, and they both retired, Norm Van Brocklin and 
Jim Brown. That's the list. And that was in the 60s. So the idea that Rodgers wants out is fascinating. As good as he was last year, all the issues that go into it with the drafting of Jordan Love, trading up to draft Jordan, not telling Aaron Rodgers about it. And it's almost Shakespearean. And I just think it's it's awesome. It's fascinating. People are like, oh, you hope he doesn't show up. No, I hope he does show up. The story's out a lot better if he does show up than if he doesn't show up. And as I've said, if Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the of the Packers, or even Mark Murphy, the CEO, if they get anywhere near the practice field, wear a cup because uh, <laughs> he's, he's going to potentially treat you like Paul Crew treated the walking boss in the longest yard and aim straight for uh, where it hurts the most. <laughs> Accidentally, of course. But, um, oh, yeah, I, I look, I, I think that both sides, Kirk, are – subtly trying to win the hearts and minds of the fan base. Yes. When Mark Murphy says this situation has divided the fan base, that's something he's saying strategically and tactically. And when Aaron Rodgers tells James Jones, who tells the media, this is fixable, this is fixable. I think that's aimed at getting fans to say to the Packers, well, why don't you fix it then? If it's fixable, Aaron says it's fixable. Why haven't you fixed it? So this dance is going to continue. I can't imagine him giving up, a full year of playing football when he's only got maybe four left, but uh, he seems to be pretty determined. And I, I, it's just one of those where you need a perpetual supply of popcorn. <laughs> yeah. It's the story that we'll keep on giving. And uh, trust me in those dog days of summer, uh, we'll, we'll need this Aaron Rodgers story. So we're happy here when it comes to football and a story like Aaron Rodgers and the green Bay Packers. But Michael, I do want to get to some of the hometown flavor here and especially the Rams. They've made some, uh, you know, acquisitions over this uh, offseason. They acquire Matthew Stafford in a trade for Jared Goff. You know, they add Deshaun Jackson. They re-sign a couple players as well. What do you think nationally is is the true expectation for these Los Angeles Rams? I think it's fair to expect better than last year. And last year they made it to the final eight with Jared Goff. And look, Kirk, I was at the front of the line two years ago Mm -hmm. saying the Rams give Jared Goff a second contract. At some point, this idea that – you get drafted, you put in three years, you're on the pass side of pass fail. You're going to get a contract that makes you the highest paid quarterback in football or close to it. Correct. Someone needs to at some point say, no, thanks. We'll just go get somebody else. And the Rams, unfortunately, signed that contract. He's regressed since then. They got to the point where they were done with him, benched him for John Wolford, did that trade with the Lions, where it's not as obvious as it could be that basically the Rams gave up a first-round pick to get Jared Goff off the books. And Stafford's a better quarterback. He's a better passer. The team is going to be better with Stafford. And the defense is is great with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald as the anchors. And uh, what they've done by bringing in Deshaun Jackson, I love Tutu Atwell. I think Mm -hmm. he could become a Deshaun Jackson type of a player. Cam Akers developing into a great running back. I, I think that that there's no reason to think the Rams won't emerge as the best team in the division and one of the few teams in the NFC. You know, for as top-heavy as the AFC is, the NFC isn't. Who's going to step up to challenge the Buccaneers? And I think the Rams are one of the teams that could. Just a couple more minutes here with Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk uh, here on LA Gridiron Weekly, hashtag LAGW. And, and Mike, uh, the AFC team of Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers, Obviously, Justin Herbert coming off of a rookie year where he was the rookie of the year. So, Mike, what's the true expectation, do you think, of these Los Angeles Chargers with new head coach Brandon Staley? Well, 
I think Brandon Staley's got the chance to be a great head coach. I think the Rams were upset that they lost him as quickly as they did after only one year. And to have him go to the team that, that the Rams rent their stadium to isn't good either. <laughs> and my first reaction when the Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff trade went down is that the Rams know the Chargers are going to start closing on them soon and they got to do what they can to try to maintain a gap. Because I think if they're healthy, and that's yeah. been a big if, for the Chargers and Kirk, one of the things I've learned over the years, you know, injuries are unavoidable. Yes, to right. a certain extent. But I see guys every week when we're watching all the games at NBC. I see guys get twisted up into knots and things that they should not get up from. And certain guys, most guys, and maybe it's part of being young, you just get right up, and it's like, my God, what kind of condition and training and flexibility? When I see clusters of injuries, I just wonder, what's that team doing? that other teams are doing differently because this one team to be snake bitten that often, like the chargers are, are they doing something wrong? Is there a deeper cause that they need to get to? Because, you know, Hey, every year they're healthy in the off season right. and everyone's zero <laughs> zero and the glass is more than half full. I just, I hope the chargers can find a way to stay healthy. If they yeah. can, they can be a threat. You know, it was a couple of years ago that they had number one seed in the AFC locked up until yeah. a late season game against the Ravens where they lost on a Saturday night at home, or they would have been the top seed and the chiefs would have had to go the hard way through the wild card round. And uh, you know, they've, they've got that kind of talent, especially with Herbert. Uh, Herbert to me is like a supersized version of Phillip rivers. I think they mm. can be great. They just got to keep their great players healthy. Last question here for you, Mike, obviously, you know, I was drafted to the then Oakland Raiders. They're now the Las Vegas Raiders, but you know, look, there, you know, there's fair criticism that going into year four and John Gruden and this team is still finished under 500. So where do you see this Raiders team or or what is the situation if they don't have a successful season this year, Mike? Well, one point I made late last season, Kirk, when we were trying to figure out who is and isn't on the hot seat, my point was if it was any other coach, three straight years of of underachieving performances and a guy who came in with so much hype, he'd be on the hot seat, right. but he's best buddies with Mark Davis, the owner of the team. And that's the guy who ultimately makes the decision. And I think at some level, Mark Davis is happy to have John Gruden, even if the team isn't good, you know, ever since Davis has owned the team, how good's the team been? They had a playoff team one year. Other than that, they haven't been a playoff team. Okay. Well, at least I got John Gruden and he's going to sell tickets and the folks are excited that stadium is going to sell out week after week, whether it's fans of the Raiders or fans of other teams who are coming to Las Vegas to enjoy the experience. So I don't know at what point Mark Davis changes his mind. I think this year the guy who's really in trouble is Mike Mayock. I think he's the next one to take the fall. It was Paul Gunther last year, the defensive coordinator. This year I think it's Mayock. And I don't know when Gruden truly has the accountability that most other coaches have. That's really what's fascinating to me. And the other side of it, too, is quarterback. How many more chances does Derek Carr get? I think they like him. I think they believe he's finally coming around, but there's plenty of options out there. And uh, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get traded this year, and I don't think he will, will the Raiders try to get to the table for 2022 when when folks are clamoring to try to get Aaron Rodgers, especially if the Broncos are also going to be trying to get him? <laughs> Nothing uh, short of storylines, right, Mike? Nothing short of storylines. The NFL, I've learned that from pro football talk there are stories every single day 365 and we appreciate pro football talk uh for giving us the information mike i know you're a busy guy i appreciate the time my man thank you let's catch up soon let's do this again 
Kirk, anytime, buddy. Congratulations on your media career. I remember when it got started. You've done a great job with it, and all the best to you going forward, and, and uh, I look forward to doing it again soon. It's always great to retweet Kirk Morrison signs with Buffalo Bills from Pro Football Talk. One of my great, <laughs> one of my great accomplishments in life, Mike. <laughs> all right, Mike. Appreciate it, man. We'll catch up soon. That was uh, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Follow him at Pro Football Talk on Twitter. Great information if you need to get caught up on all your NFL news. More LA Gridiron Weekly coming up next. Special thanks to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, bringing some of that knowledge that he has nationally to los angeles yeah la welcomes you mike we'll be seeing a lot of you as uh, nbc we know we'll have some games at sofi this year a lot of sunday night football 877-710-ESPN 877-710-3776 we've been talking sean mcveigh and his comments on jared goff um you know what let's revisit that too in one second here we're talking julio jones we've been having the aaron Rodgers sound uh the fans back in sofi this past Thursday, awesome to see all the fans. 30,000 fans were allowed to come into SoFi for a Rams practice, a, the final practice of the Rams offseason. We know the Chargers, they have their mandatory minicamp coming up this week, so we'll get a lot of sound from the uh, from them. So we'll talk a lot about that next weekend's edition of L.A. Gridiron Weekly, the Father's Day edition of L.A. Gridiron Weekly, as the Chargers will f- finish up their mandatory minicamp and take their little break before they get ready for training camp coming up as well. Um, The Aaron Rodgers saga has been continuing. I don't know how this thing is going to uh, play out, but it's one because they're also on the Rams schedule as well. The last team the Rams lost to were the Green Bay Packers. And if the Green Bay Packers didn't have Aaron Rodgers last year, the Rams probably be in the NFC championship game. Yeah. Can you believe that? So a lot still to get to here on LA gridiron weekly. I didn't tease it, but you know what? Look, let me get back to the uh, to the Sean McVay sound first before I get into a little college football. Here is Sean McVay having to clarify his comments. Sean McVay having to clarify his comments about why he's in a better mood this season. Wanted to start off, you know, I, I hate that I even have to say this, but I think uh, I made a comment earlier that was definitely taken out of context. I am very excited. I have been in a good mood because of the confidence I have in this team, but by no means is that a slight to anybody, you know, like Jared, who has done a phenomenal job for the last four years here. You know, I, I hated that I even have to address that, but I do think out of respect for him and all the good things he's done, I am in a good mood, but that doesn't mean it's not because we're working together uh, or because of just Stafford exclusively. There's a lot of good things going on that I feel really good about and I'm confident about. So don't twist my words when I didn't say that. All right? Thank you. <laughs> so don't twist my words. Don't twist my words. <laughs> don't twist my words. That was Sean McVay. I'm not going to twist your words, Sean. That's that's for other people to do out there. But Don't twist my words. I'm telling you, man. Jared Goff uh, is no longer the quarterback. And you seem to be in a better mood. That's that's the only conclusion that people may draw from this. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. And look, I want to get to this next segment. I'm just going to jump right into it, and we can kind of carry it over to the next segment. Because this is kind of uh, exciting here in, I think, on the West Coast, Los Angeles, USC, UCLA. You know i got to get my college football talk in. But this week, 
the college football playoff committee, they proposed expansion of the college football playoff. Okay. Expansion allowing now 12 teams to be in contention of the national championship instead of what they have currently, which is four. Now, there was a 12-year contract that has been made that was uh and so they're in year 7, I believe, of the 12-year contract. So this season, the 21 season, uh the 22 season, okay, is already so the next 2 years it's going to be four. No matter what, college football playoff will be four teams. But it'll be that 23 season where we could see an expansion of the college football playoff from 4 to 12. Wow. Um, a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, I'll start first with our Mike Wilbon, ESPN's Mike Wilbon of PTI. Here's Wilbon's thoughts on the college football playoff expansion. You know, a movie's not good enough. You've got to have eight sequels, and all eight of the sequels stink. Well, this stinks because now you're talking about having to win three games or four games to win a national championship. And on top of a 12-game season, you could be talking 16. Now you're talking the NFL. And so these people who give you, we care first and foremost about your health and safety. Once again, that's a lie. And it always is, Tone. You don't need that much football. Not that much. Much. I appreciate the, the, the notion of including more teams and more conferences and the little guy and having Cinderella. This is way too much. I could not disagree more, Mike Wilbon. No, we need this for college football. You need expansion. I don't get why people are saying we don't need any more games. I saw the NFL in 2020, everybody play NFL games every day of the week. The NFL had a game on every day at one point during the season. Monday night, remember a game got pushed to Tuesday. Then we saw a Wednesday game, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was one of the most highly rated games or the highly rated shows, not just games, highly rated show of that evening. You don't think the NFL college football realizes that more football people are going to watch. People are going to watch football. That's what it is. That's what it's live programming. Me working with ESPN as a college football broadcaster. I know because these bowl games come out and people like, Oh, we don't watch bowl games. But then when the numbers come out, somebody's watching (laughs) somebody's watching them because you see the viewership and then you look at all the other programming that's available during the day when these bowl games are happening and i'm not even talking about the big bowls i'm talking about the other bowls and yet people are still watching them the most highly rated shows during bowl season so yes people are watching but now how do you get more people to watch you expand the playoff I've always said this before. Four was not enough. I needed more because I needed more people to be included. When you're only doing four, guess what? Someone's going to be left out. Right? That's the worst feeling. We've all been kids before playing a game of musical chairs. Right? And you had four chairs but you had about 10, 15 people walking around that circle of chairs. And when you sit down, four 
had seats. What were we going to do with the other nine, 10, 11 plus people who didn't have a seat or teams, college football programs? Well, you didn't make the big prize. So, yeah, you go play in these bowls. You go do all that over there. Look, the bowls are going to be great for schools regardless, right, for some schools, especially for me. I'm a group of five guy with the San Diego State, so I'm not a power five guy. I'm not Pac-12, SEC, Big Ten, all of that. But teams, universities, they still love a bowl game. They do. Bowl games are still pretty cool. It gives you an extra week of practice. I mean, the memories for college football players and, uh, and for the adults who say, oh, it's they shouldn't play in the bowl. Man, the memories of playing in a bowl game. I didn't even play in a bowl game in college. Never went to a bowl game. The only bowl game that Kirk Morrison played in was an all-star game. It was the senior bowl. And trust me, I had a blast. Lifetime memories. And for all my friends and guys who played football in college and I played with them in the NFL or, you know, we see each other and they talk about some of their best memories of playing college football was the week off they had from school and going to go play in a bowl game across the country somewhere. There was guys who had never been to California, who had never been to Las Vegas, never been to parts of the country. I remember bowl games that I've done. I've done the Independence Bowl. I've done the Military Bowl. I've done the Hawaii Bowl. I remember the kids that at the Hawaii Bowl I did one year had never – people – it was a Louisiana Tech was playing in that game. And I remember interviewing some of the players – said, I may never go to Hawaii again in my life. And yet to see their faces, like, I'm in Hawaii. I get to tell my kids I've been to Hawaii. There's people in parts of the country who don't travel. They don't go past the mountain time zone or even get to the mountain time zone. Kids love football. And now you're going to bring more meaningful football that gives you an opportunity to win a championship. I love that aspect of it. I love that aspect of it. I love the expansion of it. I want to get to one more piece of sound here. Mike Greenberg said that the the college football shouldn't be watered down. Here's Mike Greenberg, Greeny, on Get Up. What makes college football so great is the extraordinary importance of regular season games. I promise you there are games on the schedule this year in August that will be playoff games, that the winner is still in and the loser is out with a chance to win it all. And that from a fan's perspective, every single week is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I totally disagree again. God, I'm, I'm just being a dis. I'm, am I just Debbie Downer today? I have to disagree again, this time with Mike Greenberg. And I'll use the comparison of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were an okay team this year, right? They didn't have the best record. They weren't the best team in the NFC. They were a wild card team. They won three games on the road in succession. They beat who? They beat the uh, Washington football team in Washington. They go on the road the next week. They beat the New Orleans Saints, who had beat them twice prior that season. Then they go to Green Bay, Wisconsin. They beat the Packers. They go to the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. But if we're talking about, oh, the the regular season won't mean anything. No. You're giving people who may lose a game or two the the opportunity to still be able to compete for a national championship. In college football, it's about you got to be undefeated. and It's okay to lose a game or two. Sometimes the best teams don't have the best day. Does that mean that they have to stay out of the championship or they're not the best four because they've lost one game earlier in August 
when their backup quarterback had to go in for a peak? Come on, let's be real, people. Let's be real. Like, expansion is not going to be bad. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of college football expanding its playoff from 4 to 12? I want to know your thoughts on that, as well as I got some thoughts on this. What does this do for USC in UCLA? If college football expands its playoffs, what does that mean for USC and UCLA? We'll discuss that next here on LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Back here, LA Gridiron Weekly, 710 ESPN, 877 710 ESPN, 877-710-3776. Get to your phone calls in just a second on this college football topic as well as the Rams, Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers, all everything football we're talking here in Los Angeles. Um, I want to get to the sound real quick from Kirk Herbstreet, our resident college football, league college football analyst. And Kirk Herbstreet um, talked a little bit about the college football expansion, saying that he thinks it was inevitable. When we left the BCS and we ended up going to uh, to two from two to four, I was a bit concerned. And now that we've lived it and we've kind of felt it for a number of years, I think this is inevitable, and I think it's for the best. I've kind of come full circle, to be honest with you. I I really looked at this as something that Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. It seems like every year we could sit here in 2021, 2022, 2023. Those three teams are in. Who's going to be the one team? to join those three. I don't know how healthy that is for college football. I just think that that's something that the decision makers have have said, this is going to allow more teams an opportunity to compete. If you talk to the players, they love it. Uh, The players are fired up because they want an opportunity to play in quote-unquote meaningful games. And by going to 12, you're going to open this thing up to now. You're going to be into November and even early December. And if you're in the top 20, uh, you're theoretically still playing games to try to have a chance to, who knows, teams get beat in front of you and you could still maybe make a run. So I, I think it, this was inevitable. Don't think that this is going to happen, obviously, in 2021, more than likely not in 2022. I think the fastest they could get this thing turned around, you still have to get the Bulls to sign off on this. You got to get ESPN to sign off on this. My guess would be the 2023 season would be the fastest they could get this thing turned. Yeah, that's Kirk Herbstreit, college football analyst here on ESPN. Yeah, I think, look, it's it's going to get signed off. It was inevitable. Um, look, it, it was every single year it was the same carousel. It was Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Those were my four. And every single year was which team was going to be out. And to his point, people kept saying, well, the, it's going to you know, water down the regular season. I said, no, I think it's going to increase the regular season that teams can now schedule big time opponents because you're not afraid to lose one game. Right. I think that's what a team. Some, they just don't want to lose one game because, we you know, if you're an undefeated team, you're good to go for the college football playoff. You lose one game and sometimes for some squads, you're out of it. And I don't think that should ever be the case. I think it's going to help out scheduling now that you have an opportunity to lose a game or two, to be your highest rated conference champion, win your conference. I've always said that, and I love that about the college football playoff when they expand is that you win your conference, that's fine. 
so this past last past couple years, I've had a chance to do FCS playoffs and some Division three playoffs for ESPN. And the excitement I get from watching and having broadcasted those games that involve a playoff, it can be done. I mean, this past year I did a what was it? I did the Weber State versus uh, Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois was a team that was an at-large bid team. At-large bid. They were going up against Weber State, who had was in the semifinal the year prior. You know, almost had a chance to win. And no, actually, I think they were in the championship game. I forget. And oh, I think it was semifinal. And Southern Illinois comes in and wins the football game. No one gave them a shot. I just bring that up because it's going to bring in more fan bases that feel like I have an opportunity to win. This was my always my biggest gripe with the four was that you're only bringing in four fan bases that feels like you got a shot. Why not bring in 16 or 12 or eight? Because once your team is still in it, you're going to watch. And I said it's been it's been such a detriment to the West Coast teams, especially the Pac-12, who haven't had a, a bunch of opportunities in the college football playoff outside of Washington and Oregon. Those are the two teams that have been in. So if those two teams aren't in, nobody on the West Coast is watching the college football playoff like that. We could care less about Alabama out here. But what if USC or UCLA was in? I mean, man, you've got the whole West Coast watching now. You got the Pac-12 watching now. Everybody's watching here. You're going to increase the fan base. That's all I'm saying. You're going to increase create more viewership. That's what college football is going to be looking at now. Right? So, oh man, let's go to the phone lines. I think who we have um Harold, I believe. Harold, what's up Harold? You're on LA Gridiron Weekly. What's going on, my man? You know, Kurt, that's a you got that's a great topic. Now, this is my issue. How do they choose which teams are going? Because West Coast, particularly the Pac-12, they're usually on so late and nobody ever sees them. The ASPN, particularly your network, they're more concentrated on the, in the SEC and the Big Ten. And, and nobody ever sees Pac-12, and they kind of get shoved to the side. I don't know if it's a contract with TV or what. But they need more primetime exposure. You can't have games on at seven thirty, eight thirty, nine thirty at night. Even these uh, college, uh, even the uh, the polls are skewed towards those schools, and it's like Pac twelve out of sight, out of mind. That's a big issue for me. How they choose which teams are selected to go to the. I, I'm I'm for an expansion. I think it's good. It's good for for college football. But how do you do it? That's my question, Kurt. I appreciate the phone call, Harold. There's uh, there, there's two things I could throw at you real quickly. So th- what I've seen so far is a template, okay? The template for uh, this expansion of the college football playoff would be you would have, f- uh, I want to make sure I get this, like six conference, the six highest rated conference champions will be automatically in. And then you'll have six sort of at-large bids. And the top four uh, high ranked will be have an automatic buy, so they don't have to play. So they'll have a buy. So you got four teams that have a buy. Okay, then the remaining eight teams will play in that opening round or whatever it may be, and then you'll have another game, another game. So you're gonna have an extra what four games? It looks like if you're a team that doesn't get the buy, you'll get have to play three games 
if you're a team that uh, does not have um, that does have the buy. So you have a lot of that that's going on. My thing about all of it is that I think that the the group of five will now have a legitimate opportunity to play for a championship. Now, when I say group of five, I'm talking about the Mountain West. I'm talking about the uh, American Conference, uh, the Sun Belt, the MAC, okay, and then Conference USA, right? So you have that opportunity. But then you got the West Coast teams, and I will get a team in, right? You'll get a USC possibly can go in. A Think about it. Last year, if this model was in, USC, if they beat Oregon in the Conference Championship game, they would have been in the college football playoff if it had had the expansion already happened. So now you've got some opportunities for some teams that can get uh, to get get that just just the just a little bit of an opportunity. I think one of the bigger things here with college football, as well, is that, and this is a, sort of a gripe that David Shaw, head coach of Stanford, is having, that the West Coast teams are going to have to play earlier games to be in that window for people on the East Coast, you know, Central Time Zone to watch those games and highlights all day long. Yes, West Coast football starts later. And for some people on the East Coast, it's hard to stay up till 10 o'clock at night and watch USC play against Stanford. That'll be under the lights at at 4 o'clock start locally. That'll be a good one. But 7 o'clock is too late. It's too late sometimes. But I think this will be good for college football. I'm excited for it. I really am um, when it does come. Because I've always said it's going to generate more dollars for college football. We'll see what it does for, um, I think, the players. And I know this is a different subject. Will the players be paid? If it's more money coming in, will the players be paid? I just think for the NFL, we'll love this as well. Because when you have these big moments, we think about think about the college basketball tournament. Think about some of the great games that players have. And then all of a sudden, you're like, man, what if we draft that kid? Or how good of a guy who kind of jumps up a draft board because of how well they played the tournament? Could this be the same thing for some college football players? See, I'm always going to find more positives in expansion. Because here you are going up against the best of the best. So now when I'm an NFL evaluator, I've got three or four games of a player going against the best teams in the country and evaluating. A guy could probably come in as a fifth-round pick, seventh-round pick. His team is in a college football playoff when it's expanded. All of a sudden, he has the best three, four games in his career, and this dude is walking up, shaking the commissioner's hand as a first-round pick. We're not talking about that yet. Because I always see fan bases of the NFL watch these games and get excited about, oh, he's draft eligible. Man, we're looking for a left end. Man, he could be the missing piece to our team if we draft him. So, yes, you're going to get people watching. People are going to watch these games. People are going to see some of the uh, teams that, even though they lost earlier in the year, are able to recoup and get back on track and find a way. And I just love championships in general. I love expanding. Why not? This ain't no Fast and the Furious, which I know I saw Fast and the Furious 9 is out. I can't. This isn't the Fast and the Furious at all. This is college football playoff. This is more teams having opportunities to win a championship. Trust me. We saw the play-in of the NBA. 
right? Seeds seven through ten. And I know it was nothing, but you watched it. I've watched the Major League Baseball and their wild card games and scenarios, the wild card round. I'm watching it, and the numbers tell me people are watching it. So you mean to tell me that the college football playoff is going to expand and no one's going to watch it? Stop it. Stop it right there. <laughs> all, right, all right, man. We are turning the corner here. Coming up next on LA Gridiron Weekly, we wrap things up and we look forward to what's ahead next week. More LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. LA Gridiron Weekly here on 710 ESPN. Had a great show today for you guys, man. It's been, it's been awesome, it's been fun. Love to see the feedback here on uh, Twitter and Instagram and all the love. Hopefully I got a chance to uh, get to all of your questions and answered, you know, what you uh, wanted to see, which I mean, what you wanted to hear. So I'm excited about that as we uh, move forward to what's going on, like I said, upcoming next week. Um, we'll have Chargers have their mini camp coming up. Look forward to getting some sound from them and hearing what Brandon Staley has to say about his new team. Uh, as he's the head coach now, so he's with Justin Herbert in year two. And look, a lot of people are really high on the Chargers in terms of their draft. They had one of the better drafts. We had Rashawn Slater, their first-round draft pick, on this show, uh, LA Gridiron Weekly, just a couple weeks back. You can always go to our show's Twitter page, click on the bio, get in there and look for LA Gridiron Weekly, and you can find that interview we had with Rashawn Slater, the Chargers first round draft choice so we've got to a lot today we've got to the sean mcveigh sound we've talked a little bit about my sneaky game no longer being a sneaky game everybody it's no longer a sneaky game right the tennessee titans on november 7th be traveling to los angeles to take on the rams but now they have julio jones to go along with derrick henry aj brown ryan Tannehill. And so it's going to be one of the games now that I think people are going to be excited about. I don't think people were ex- excited too much about it. Like, what, Titans, Rams, ah, whatever. Now you bring in the Julio Jones, one of the best receivers over the past couple decades. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, an outstanding uh, game now for us to watch and see some of the premier players in all of the NFL. I do want to get to a little bit one more sound just so I can hear for um, – this was Julio Jones, and actually, this was Brian Finneran. Brian Finneran, he's a former Falcons wide receiver, and he talked a little bit about Julio Jones and what does Julio Jones have left in the tank. I just think he's a he's a special athlete. He's one of those guys that can play till he's thirty five at a high level. Um, the receiver position is different, obviously, than quarterback, where those guys are playing till they're forty now, and and that's not going to happen with with Julio. But I think he's got two or three good years left in him. I really do. I just think he's that special of an athlete, and uh, and can do it. Two or three more years at an elite level. I was Brian Finneran uh, a little bit earlier, and look, two or three good years. That's what the NFL is. The NFL is a year to year league, if you ask me. Right, year to year. And so if Julio Jones can give you two or three good more years, I'll take it. Is that worth a first-round pick? I think so. It's worth a first-round pick because I don't know what that first-round pick is going to give me. I do know that I'm getting a player in Julio Jones, and to quote A.J. Brown, wide receiver of the Titans this week, he said it best. 
Ain't no receiver in the draft doing what me and Julio do <laughs> in the first round. So you could trade for a first round pick to to, to say, oh, well, we, we want a first round pick. He's like, look, you can draft a guy in the first round, but he ain't going to give you what Julio Jones and A.J. Brown can give you. And I've seen it up and down, like people are accumulating draft choices and you would hope that you can get something in return. But Julio Jones for the next two or three years could be the thorn in your side, watching him go to a new team in Tennessee and be their premier player in terms of uh, helping out that offense, get to where they want to go. So he's got two or three good years left. And it's like I said, it's going to be a fun matchup watching the Rams take on the Tennessee Titans on November 7th. I mentioned again, the Rams had the open practice last Thursday, this past Thursday, 30,000 fans got a chance to go inside SoFi Stadium and see the players in their open practice. Uh, a lot of new numbers. That's the one thing that I think NFL fans are going to have to get used to is that we're going to have to start keeping a roster in front of us. Now, when we watch games or we're at games, right, we, we, we're going to need them because there's just a ton of new numbers, right? It's still trying to – it's it's – it's going to be difficult watching Jalen Ramsey wear number five. You're so used to looking Jalen Ramsey, number 20, number 20. And yet watching him wear number five is going to be a little bit difficult. Now, Jordan Fuller, you know, a second year player, he switches to number four. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the Chargers switch numbers just yet, except for, uh, I think Kenneth Murray, he's going to be number nine now. So linebacker switching from 56 to number nine. So that's some of the thing that you're going to have to, you got to deal with now, everybody. You got to deal with. And so dealing with that for me is I'm going to keep a sheet with me. I'm going to keep my little cheat sheet so I'm able to keep it in front of me and have all those numbers in front of me so I can talk uh, who's actually on the field. Uh, I know we didn't get to this today, but it does pertain to the NFC West. And I look forward to seeing what happens with you know Russell Wilson in Seattle. They took away the Rams uh, quarterback tight end coach from a year ago and Shane Waldron. He, he's now the offensive coordinator in Seattle. And so remember all that Russell Wilson chatter. What was Russell Wilson going to do? Is he, is he going to, tra- is he, did he wants to be traded. Remember he, these are his teams, Seattle. I mean, sorry, it was uh, Dallas, Chicago, and I forgot who the third team was. These were the list of teams that, Russell Wilson wanted to go to, I think it was New York or something like that. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know. But Russell Wilson this week came out and said, look, uh, I just wanted more input in what we got going on. I'm a passionate player. And he knows his window could be closing pretty soon. He just wants to be more involved. And I think what people are seeing from Tom Brady and how Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are allowing Tom Brady, giving him the reins sometimes for the team, asking him his input on who we should draft or can you look at these guys, who do you like? Now, they may not listen to what he is saying, but they're giving him the opportunity just to uh, make some thoughts, which is always good. Hey, it's time for that two-minute drill. It's time for the two-minute drill on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. Two-minute drill. A couple stories that we didn't get to. I mentioned the Aaron, uh, not Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson. We've seen that. Uh, how will that finish up? How will that go? We'll get more of that in the coming weeks. I mentioned Chargers 
They have their mini, mandatory mini camp. Everybody should be able to show up. I don't see anything going on from there. I think another holdout that we talked about was Aaron Rodgers, what he'll be missing out on by not showing up to the mandatory mini camp with the Green Bay Packers, which is now over. So the next we turn to what? We turn to the training camp, which will be opening up late July for all the teams around the National Football League as they get ready. So we got more on that. And then a couple stories throughout the NFL that you know, we saw this week that players showing up saying, hey, look, uh, I'm going to be here. Aaron Rodgers receiver said that. Aaron Rodgers receiver Devontae Adams said, I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here. I'm not trying to lose out on no money. I can't let 93K go by not showing up to mandatory minicamp because he's in the final year of a contract. So that's what we're looking at. We're keeping our eyes focused on what's ahead. And one last big, big contract that came out this week. Maybe little to you guys. You guys, But Dak Prescott is now a member of Team Jordan. He leaves Adidas. He becomes a Jordan brand signature athlete which is huge. First Cowboy to be a Jordan Brand signature athlete signed a monster, monster deal. Wow, what a great show today. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He joins us a little bit earlier. Thanks to Mike. As always, thanks to Steve Padlet. He's our engineer today. And Jesse Lopez, his first time producing for LA Gridiron Weekly. Appreciate it, Jesse. For myself, Kirk Morrison, this has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.